Let's uh, invite the Lord in our presence. Let's uh, bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we're indeed very thankful that we can be here and that we can, we know that it is by your hand that we have been made, we've been created for a purpose. And Father, we sense in all that is around us your greatness, your goodness, and your calling to us. Father, we pray that we could free ourselves from all the things that distract us. We could hear your word without any filter and to allow it to penetrate deep in our hearts and to bring forth fruit to your glory. Father, be with us today and be our teacher. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn together to uh, the Old Testament. To the book of Joshua. So that's the first book after the five books of Moses. <clears throat> chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister or servant, saying, Moses my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast, or borders." There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee or, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that, that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals or food, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you this side, Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Unto the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you that they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land 
of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sunrising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee, only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doeth, doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto the words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of a good courage. I've read the entire chapter. Let's rise for a word of prayer. O Lord, our God of ages past, the eternal one without time, without beginning, without ending, ever present, and very much interested what happens in his creation, especially with man. And as we read these pages that of the events that happened so many years ago, O Lord, there is a continuity to thy message, O Lord. There is a purpose in it for us. And thy thoughts toward us are for good, O Lord. Yea, the invitation still goes forth in this day and age, O Lord, that is so sophisticated, where man is his own God and seeks after pleasure here and now and destroys himself by doing so. Oh, that many more would realize, O Lord, how great a salvation is being offered in Christ Jesus a salvation that saves us from sin and from destruction and even from ourselves, because left to ourselves, O Lord, we cannot but fail. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, for the blessedness of hearing thy holy word, but, O Lord, how much more to obey it. Do thy looking favor upon us and move the hearts with thy holy word and may none resist it. Maybe Humble ourselves, O Lord, that thy grace, O Lord, may abound. For thou hast promised I will give grace to the humble. And there is no problem too great, O Lord, but we did our salvation to save to the uttermost, O Lord. And as thou hast been in the past with those that trusted thee, O Lord, how much more now that thy Son has died for us, wilt not do everything that is good for us, O Lord. Yet thy purpose to make us in the image of thy beloved Son, that we may again fellowship and see eye to eye, face to face, and be like him. O Lord, the things that are in store for them that obey thee. Do the luck in favor, O Lord, as we thank thee and as we are gathering in Jesus' name. And in many places where they are gathering, we are also mindful of those that gather in Saskatchewan, O Lord. Be thou with Brother Doug to proclaim thy word there as well. To encourage those that seek, O Lord. To comfort those that are grieving, O Lord. We thee there is help and comfort for everyone, dear Father. And since thou searchest the heart and knowest what is in the heart, O Lord, O oh, help us also to realize this and not hide anything or think that we can hide it, but the things that are not fit for thy kingdom, that we may surrender them and that we may strive to work out our soul salvation in fear and trembling, O Lord, for it is such a great opportunity. And if we miss it, what a terrible thing. What a terrible thing for those that have heard the truth again and again. And in that day, O Lord, when, when they realize and faith is no more needed, dear Father, that they have missed out. What a terrible thing. O Father, do thou above our asking and bless us 
according to our needs, according to each individual needs, beginning right here with the brother proclaiming thy word. Grant to him utterance to speak thy word in simplicity, in truth, that it may go forth, dear Father, and that it be acknowledged it is thy holy word. Also may be wise in obeying it. We humbly ask and pray for thy blessing. In Jesus' name, Amen. This passage came to my mind uh, this morning, last night, as I was thinking about the question of what it means to be a leader, a father, a man according to the Word of God. This past week, our manager pulled us into a meeting. It was kind of rare. He's often so busy we never see him. And it was kind of the first time he actually had the whole department in, in one room. And uh, the fact that he was waiting till the very last person came in and had to make an announcement made us a little bit uh, wary of what he was going to announce that he had to make sure that everyone was there to announce it. And he was telling us that he was moving on, that he had found some opportunity and uh, he was going to uh, be moving on to somewhere else and that uh, who he was, who his successor was was yet to be announced by you know, his manager the next day. And, of course, that gave me time to think about, well, what kind of a manager or boss would I like to have and what qualities did I appreciate and in the ones that I have had and look forward to and all these things came together in, in, in looking at this passage about what qualities you know God um, has designed and wants uh, to encourage in those he's called to, to lead in whatever capacity. So the context of our passage we've read today, we've had uh, Moses, the five books of Moses have just ended. God has called out his people out of slavery and used his servant Moses that took 80 years of training, 40 years under Pharaoh's tutelage and 40 years in the back of a desert under God's direct tutelage. And he's brought them out 40 years then another 40 years to 120 years old through the desert because they were unwilling to trust God and believe His promises and act on them. Until they are now on the east side of Jordan ready to enter into the promised land. Uh, to the tribes we've read here, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half of the Massey tribe were allocated land there on the Transjordan, the east side of Jordan. But they still needed to conquer the promised land. The one that 40 years ago, they had rebelled against God, where almost 40 days after they left Egypt, they would have had the opportunity to enter the promised land right then and there. And they had sent the 12 spies in, and uh, they saw that it was a very lush land. The grapes uh, cluster was so big it took two men to carry it on poles. It was such a, a, a fruitful land. But they also saw giants. They saw walled cities. And they said, oh, we were like grasshoppers in the sight of these great men. We don't stand a chance against them. And uh, two of the men, Joshua and Caleb, 
this Joshua here and one others, were the only ones that says, yes, these people are big, but our God is bigger. And we can do it with God's help. And the other ten discouraged everyone and said, no, 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 we, this is a mistake. Let's make a leader, a captain, and let's go back to Egypt where you know, we don't have to face these impossible odds. And so it is that of all those men, all those who are 20 or older, the consequence God gave them was that they were going to wander in the desert for 40 years, so they all died off, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two men left of age that actually made it to this stage of entering into the promised land. So here they stand. Moses has died. He went up and God gave him the opportunity to at least see from Pisgah's height the promised land. He died up there. Uh, Joshua came down alone and now God is speaking to Joshua and passing on that mandate, that commission, that uh, to fulfill that plan of God to bring his people into this land flowing with milk and honey. We know it's not going to be easy. We know it's worth it. We know there's great reward, but we know there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be battles, there's going to be giants, there's going to be walled cities, there's going to be uh, uh, things that are going to feel impossible. Forty years has not made it easier. And so God is speaking these things to Joshua as he gives him that charge. We too face challenges. We live in a fallen world. And we deal with people who sometimes you may want to rather face a walled city and a giant than some of the people you may have to face. At least we think so. As we let Satan sometimes... uh, grow and exaggerate the obstacles we face. We we feel overwhelmed by them. So, especially, I think if you're given the charge uh, of leadership of a family, it's a very uh, challenging. We read lots of examples in the Bible of fathers And uh, the Bible is an interesting book. It's not like all the other holy books that have kind of legendary pictures of perfect people. The Bible is a very realistic book grounded in time and space and and verifiable archaeological history and with people that are not airbrushed, that are not edited, and we see who they really were. And this past Thursday as we gathered, we... We studied, you know, a great man of the Bible, David. And we know he was a man of faith, a man of courage, uh, the one who faced giants personally as a little boy. But yet, he himself found the challenge of being a father, uh, one that he made big mistakes in. Mistakes that cost lots of lives. And lots of, of, of problems because he didn't correct his son Absalom and then didn't correct uh, the, the next son Adonijah who both had aspirations to take over the throne on him. And 
David's not alone in the challenge of people in the Bible whose fatherhood uh, was a failure. Uh, Eli was a father. Godly man. But he didn't correct his children. And they took advantage of their position within the church and did horrible sin to, uh, uh, at the very entrance of the temple. And God judged them. And he told Samuel the judgment because there was no one who was actually hearing from God at the time. And Samuel, we know the story, how he was a little boy and he heard a voice and he thought it was Eli. And Eli finally realized the third time that no, it must be God. And God gave him this message. But yet Samuel wasn't a good father. He was a very godly man. He was impeccable. He could challenge all of Israel. Tell me one thing I've taken that wasn't mine. One time I, I, I accepted a bribe to pervert you know, the judgments that I made. He was a very godly man, and yet he didn't correct his children. And the people of Israel says, we don't want your children to be judges because they're corrupt. And uh, they kind of turned their back on God and said, we want a king like all the other people. And so on. We see uh, this pattern of those who were godly men in many respects, but when it came to leading their own household, they failed. So what does it take to be a true leader according to the pattern that God has given and what example can we turn to? Well, one thing, when we speak about God's uh, vision or God's plan for mankind, for, 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 for men, for the male gender of what He wants to see in them, uh, and, and we do need to look to the Bible because, of course, Society is distorting and blurring this whole thing of God having a, a, a separate plan for male gender and female gender. These things are all being um, brushed aside. And it just occurred to me this morning as I was meditating and, and thinking about this, you know, the, the feminist movement of the 60s, you know, I thought it was about people. And, you know, how it, it, even though you know, women naturally desire to be protected, to be valued, to be, you know, that, uh, um, as the scripture says, that delicate vessel that is treasured, you know, and yet, you know, they don't want men to open the door for them or things like that because it somehow implies that they can't do it for themselves and they kind of undermine and take away the, the things that they desire to be shown honor and, and, and value in in order to become equal and just as powerful. I just realized that that has a lot to do with our relationship with God. That God is the ultimate Father. God is the ultimate Husband. God is the one who is the strong and protecting and providing Jehovah Jireh for us. And this feminist movement of independence and wanting to do it ourselves and not wanting to have someone open the door for us 
comes across in our attitude towards life. Where we don't want to depend on God. We don't want to trust Him to do things for us. We want to show that we can do it on ourselves and we don't need any help. And that spirit of independence infects our relationship with God as well. That is really an attitude towards authority. Now this whole concept of authority is another thing that is being attacked and perverted and twisted as being a bad thing ever since, you know, well, we know that it all goes back to the garden where authority and trust and independence all played into that first sin that occurred. But authority within the church has been abused between established churches and we see this whole reaction of, you know, I don't, I believe in God, but uh, I don't believe in established churches because I've seen them being corrupted. And uh, we see the whole suspicion, the whole postmodern view of any any power structure, you know, is self-serving and should be viewed with skepticism. And how do we play into that? How do we see authority amongst ourselves, within our families, within our churches? One, uh, the, the 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 push is, you know, that. You know, someone who, who is uh, a husband, a father, even a leader, uh, should uh, become more of a facilitator. Not necessarily take a strong leadership role, but enable everyone to, well, you know, in, in some sense, the Bible does point to the church as, as being... Uh, made of different members, each of which have unique contributions, necessary contributions, and that if if we have, you know, some small elite group that's doing all the work, that's unhealthy, because that's not how God designed it. That that, that God designed it that we all contribute and we all respect and appreciate and rely on each other. That is true. In, in, in parents who who find it just too frustrating to to train their kids and just figure it's simpler if I do it myself because then I know it gets done and it gets done right and it's actually less work than having to teach my child how to do this. Uh, you end up with that same structure where, you know, the capable minority, the mom and dad, end up doing all the work and children learn to just kind of coast along and don't learn a sense of ownership and responsibility and and, and and that they are contributing. So we see families and churches falling into those same problems about those who, who take on too much ownership. Or you can also see uh, the on the other hand, you know, parents saying, well, you know, uh, I don't want to tell my kids what they should believe or do. You know, I'll just give them the resources and, and you know, they should figure things out on their own. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, squelch them or uh, be overbearing. It's interesting that uh, God had something to say about this when he spoke about Abraham. And... Uh, it, it was actually 
a conversation we have recorded in the Bible between uh, the angel of the Lord, which you know we can assume was perhaps Christ or, or God in the flesh, uh, and the other angels as they were walking on the road, and and uh, they were planning to do uh, to, to visit judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. If you want to see a spirit of independence and of uh, and and they were saying, should we tell Abraham about this? And he says, well, yes. The angel of the Lord said, I know that Abraham that he will command, he will serve me faithfully, and he will command his children after him to follow me. That passage seems to imply that fathers should set a direction. That fathers... Can a father convert his children? Obviously not. But a father can command and set a direction in his household and is responsible to do so. And that we cannot sit back and say, well, you know, they're all... Yes, yes, there is free will. But there is... A father still has a lot of weight and responsibility for what goes on in a home. And that is his responsibility. And there is direction. The same thing now here with Joshua. <clears throat> Joshua is facing a big challenge after he crosses this uh, flood swollen river that's going to sweep them to death and goes and faces uh, stone cities full of giants. He needs to actually conquer the entire land. And that's going to take leadership because a lot of these people, as you can see, they're already thinking about, well, I've, I've got my couple acres here. I'd like to settle down with my wife and kids and get comfortable and enjoy my rest. And is he going to be able to keep this group of people motivated? And is he going to finish the job? Or is he just going to take care of the core and kind of leave stuff on the fringes as not being worth it? And if we read what history says about what happened here, in, in Judges, the, the next book, the angel comes down and, and, and bemoans the fact that the job wasn't really done. Yes, they, we read supernatural victories. You know, the victory, we all know about the sun standing still and how they were able to vanquish this alliance in the southern uh, King uh, uh, Judea and another supernatural victory where they won a huge victory in, in the north but there were pockets that weren't dealt with and those pockets because they didn't deal with them because it wasn't a thorough campaign those became in the words of the Bible a thorn in the side uh, that, uh, of the people of Israel a temptation that we know from then on they wanted to do what their neighbors were doing and the worship of Ashtaroth and Baal and, and uh, the, the conquest of the Philistines. And these always became a problem because the conquest of that land was not complete. Leadership requires, as we read here, courage. Courage to do what's right even when the people who you're responsible for may not agree. Your children may not agree with the direction. Even your congregation may not see what God has given you to do. And if you are going to be a politician, 
as a father or as a man of God or whatever leadership you're going to do, if you're just going to appease, then you're not going to provide leadership. And the job is not going to get done. And the consequences, history will judge. Courage. My dear brothers and friends, to stand against the flow of your culture, to stand against popular opinion, and to do what's right. Now, how do you know what's right in the cacophony of today's, of today's world? Well, we read here in, in, in the verse 8 that the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Now, you obviously first have to read it. You need to um, meditate therein day and night. You've got to think about it. Now, you've got so many inputs so much information available to you in so many entertaining forms of media, can we retain you know, this focus on what is true as opposed to what is partially true? And, you know, has a little bit of a spin on it. We need to think about God's Word. And the book of the law should not depart out of our mouth. It's going to take the courage to speak up and to reference the Word of God, to teach the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is very clear about what God's mandate to parents is. That they should speak about these things when they get up, when they sit down, when they leave, when they're on the way, when they're in the car, when they're... um, It's got to be on the doorposts. It's got to be on the walls. It's got to be surrounding and permeating their life. Now we have access to the Word of God in every language and version possible. But is it something that we are communicating? Is it really something we're thinking about that it comes out of our mouth continually? So, we've got to meditate on it. It's got to be in our minds. We've got to speak about it. It's got to be in our mouth. And the next thing the verse says, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So, not only do you think about it, not only do you speak about it, but you've got to live it. You've got to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And modeling is the best form of leadership. If you're not living it, if you're not showing how uh, you know, the, the saying is, you know, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. You know, I'd rather someone walk with me than merely point the way. You, you, at work or at school, you'd rather see someone demonstrate how things are done. You'd like to see examples. It makes it concrete. It makes it believable. It makes it, takes it out of this lofty ideas into something you can see is truly possible. And this is necessary for fathers, for leaders, in whatever capacity, to model and to observe to do according to the Word of God. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And what's your confidence in? Have not I commanded thee? Now, 
there are those who are in leadership who feel entitled. They have the position. They may have the title on the door. They, the, the position in the organization chart. They may be a father. They may have a position in the church. But position alone does not mean leadership. Does not mean that you are providing what God is asking you to do. Leaders can be self-serving. And that's why our whole culture is allergic to authority. Because they have seen self-serving leadership. They have seen people who lead because of what's in it for them. And fathers and church leaders and uh, God Himself is the ultimate leader. He has shown us what it should look like. And He is given... If we think we're on top and unaccountable, if we are not... Recognize our position within a chain of authority, then our whole model is broken and we don't have the confidence of God's command. It's our own internal lusts and desires. And we can read in James what happens when people follow what they feel like and their own desires and how it leads to division and fighting and, 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 and killing one another, maybe not physically, but the words and we can see that whole mess of destruction that happens when we follow our own desires as opposed to God's commandments. A leader cannot be following their own agenda and have moral authority and expect people to follow him. They cannot be relying on their position and pursuing their own desires. A true leader, as we see in the example and the only perfect father we read in the Word of God, God the Father, is someone who lays down what is precious to Him, who Jesus said, not my will but yours be done. As Jesus is the one person in the flesh that modeled true leadership, He died to Himself. He said, the words I speak are not mine, but Him who sent me. The action I've done are not what I've done. They're what I've learned from the Father. And so, we too, if we want to have, uh, uh, inspire people to follow us, because position alone will not get a large group of people to go up against giants and face them. They will not believe in you just because you have a title. They will believe in you because they see the word of God that you're, you're, you have a mandate and you're, you're not following your own will, but you're following the commandments of God. Therefore, you can be strong and courageous. You cannot be afraid, neither be thou dismayed, because the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We were studying um, David again on Thursday, he was such a courageous young man. He had so much courage. He inspired leadership. He went up against the giant as a little boy with no armor and just a sling and five stones. He routed these Philistines. Men were willing to follow him. 
He loved God. He wrote Psalm 1 about meditating in the Word of God day and night and being like a tree planted by the rivers of water who's, who's going to bear fruit in every season. He was a man after God's own heart. But he failed. But that's not the end of the story. He became dismayed and didn't lead his own children and correct them. Being dismayed by the giants, by your own failure, by the resistance you feel, by the obstacles, by seeing the problem and not seeing who is with you, by seeing your own weakness and not seeing God's strength. That's what causes us to be weak and discouraged and not fulfill God's mandate and not be the fathers and the leaders and, and the man of God God's calling you to be. Yes, you can fail. If you are human, you will fail. But you need to humble yourself and you need to rely not on your perfect track record, but on the presence of God. Be not dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Not on your perfection, but on His faithfulness. Not in arrogance, not in presumption, not saying, well, then I can do whatever I feel like, because you are following God's commandments, not your own, in God's strength, not your own. And then you can become a leader who, who can accomplish God's glory and not your own. See, the problem happens in the New Testament we see when people are after their own glory. When they have visions of, of accolades they will receive. And that's when the fighting happens. But when we are seeking God's glory and not our own, God's will and not our own, in God's strength and not our own, then we can become courageous men of God that will inspire leadership because God will prosper the way we are going in. God opens the Jordan swollen with springtime floods that will sweep you to your death as you step into it because you're going in God's strength. And wheresoever thou goest, even into you know something that appears to be a death wish, opens up. Walls that seem impregnable tumble down outward. And we have archaeological evidence today of what happened to Jericho when we go following God's command. Not rushing up against with our puny spears and our impotent weapons, but in obedience to God, He will take care of obstacles that we never could. God is looking for a few good men. Those who are willing to follow God's plan for what it means to, to, to be a man of God. It will require dying to yourself. It will require not relying on your credentials or position. It will require overcoming your own feelings of inadequacy. To be able to say with the Apostle Paul, 
in my weakness, I glorify God. I've, I'm thankful for my weakness because then when I realize my weakness, God is more glorified in me. Uh, I'll read it to not misquote it. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, <clears throat> Paul was had a lot of reasons to boast and he talks about them, but he says... You know, I, he counts those things but dung, and God even gave him some, we don't know exactly what it was, some, uh, something that he had suffered, some thorn in the flesh. <coughs> For this thing, he asked God three times it would depart from him. Verse 9, God said, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, God says, is made perfect in weakness, your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I, Paul, rather glory in my weakness, my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in, in, in this uh, rejection and uh, uh, social um, corre- um, re- reproaches, saying that someone is, is against you and they're correcting you and they think you're, you've done, they're criticizing. Criticism is the word I'm looking for. In necessities, in your own what missing what you need in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Maybe there's a reason why we don't have a perfect father in the Bible. That we don't see people who are perfect. Because what we need to understand is that we are weak. And when we recognize the weak and we depend on God, we become strong. And we can be the child of God and experience the blessing and the power of God rests upon us as we no longer trust in our own abilities but in God's because we are facing giants. We are facing things that seem impossible and they may well be impossible for us in our puny strength to overcome. But they are not impossible for God. They are not. The struggles you have with your own desires. The struggles you have with your relationships. The struggles you have with your circumstances. Those walls can come tumbling down. If you go in God's strength, submitting to God's will, and having the courage to obey Him, whatever the cost. May the Lord inspire us that whatever challenge we face is possible. And that He He's a Redeemer. One challenge you have as a leader is that your the people who follow you will fail. Your children will fail. Your whoever is following you will make mistakes. Are you going to beat them over the head with their failures? Demoralize them? Get, make them feel dismayed? Or are you going to extend the grace to them that you have received? That the God who is a Redeemer has taken you who have failed and trusted you with a mandate and a significant, meaningful uh, mission 
in life. He's believed in you. And He's expecting you to believe in those who have failed to encourage them and to help them. Your challenge is to inspire them also and to help redeem their failures for good, to be like God, to give hope, because God is a God of hope. In conclusion, I just felt led to share the two Adams, an anti-pattern and a positive pattern of what it means to be a man of God. The anti-pattern I like to read from Genesis chapter 3. The Lord God called unto him Adam, the one he had put into leadership, and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. That is a failure of leadership. That is the anti-pattern. That is the first Adam who failed and led us into death and slavery. Men and women of God, you need to take responsibility for your actions. If you're a leader, you're responsible for those whom God has entrusted you with to provide, to protect, to be their umbrella. Adam failed completely when he said, the woman you gave me, it's her fault. He did not stand to God whom he was responsible and give account for his own actions and his own failures. He did not take responsibility of the failure of those underneath him and stand up and protect and take the consequences as he was in a position to do. He thought he could duck out of the way. He was not any sort of protection to that woman. And when we, in our relationships, when my siblings start pointing fingers, when brothers and sisters in the church start pointing fingers, we are not men and women of God. When we don't take responsibility for ourselves and for those that we love and are entrusted to us. The scripture says, as there is a first Adam, there was a second Adam. Through the first Adam came death upon all mankind, came sin through his disobedience. But through the obedience of the second Adam came life and salvation. That was the Adam who said that he would take our sins upon him. Who would bear the brunt of our sin so that we could be saved. That is what God has given us as the true man of God. 
May we appreciate that. May we take responsibility for sins. You don't have to go alone as Jesus did. He has promised to be with you. He has promised to give you direction. He has promised to help you, but you need to take responsibility. And God has taken responsibility for you if you're willing to be under His umbrella and His protection. He's offering that to every one of you. Take refuge in Him that He has provided through that obedience. That would conclude this morning's service.